Good morning. I suppose not all days are created equal. They may all have 24 hours, but they are shaped by their contexts, their histories, events that give to them their meaning. Some are remembered for years, perhaps generations or centuries, millennia. Others quickly subside into oblivion and forgetfulness. Fourth of July is celebrated by Americans and freedom-loving people everywhere. Most of us also remember September 11th, 2001, perhaps even January 6th. In the same way, we remember December 7th, 41, as a day that will live in infamy. But there are some days whose dates we never recognized, but we remember them just for what happened on that day, for their significance and their meaning, the lasting impact of what happened on that day. Memorial Day is one of those days that we remember just for what it commemorates and not for its date. It is, in the language of the church, in fact, a movable feast. But so also do we remember Christmas and Easter. We don't know those dates, but we remember them for what happened and what we celebrate. We remember Christmas on December 25th, which was not originally a date that had anything to do with Jesus, but a date that in the old Julian calendar commemorated the winter solstice as the shortest day of the year, and so was celebrated by pagans as the date of the birth of the sun, because the days got longer from that point on. Christians said, okay, if that's the day we celebrate the light of the world, let's celebrate it as the day when Jesus was born, because in him was life, and he is the light of the world. We don't know exactly the day of Easter either, or of Maundy Thursday, but we remember both as the day when Jesus was raised from the dead, or the night on which he was betrayed. And so today is the day of Pentecost. We don't remember its date, but we celebrate the day of Pentecost because on this day, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. On this day, the disciples of Jesus, whom we heard in this morning's gospel, were hiding behind locked doors for fear of the Jews, became bold apostles of the risen Christ, bursting open the doors 
running into the streets and proclaiming the mighty works of God. On this day, something happened that has changed the history of the world. On this day also, because of what happened to those disciples, the gospel that we believe, that we confess each Sunday, became not just good news about Jesus, but good news for us. Because of what happened on this day, we can say with confidence that it was for us and for our salvation that he came down from heaven. Because the promise of the Father, which Jesus had told them to wait for in Jerusalem, was fulfilled not just for the disciples on this day, when they were clothed with power from on high, but for us too. For us, and as Peter explains to those crowds that first heard him, for our children and our children's children, in fact, for all who are far off, for everyone whom God will call to him. Whatever it was that those people heard on that day when those disciples burst open the doors of the upper room where they had been hiding in fear and ran out into the streets, it must have been amazing. In fact, all who heard the disciples that day, we are told in this morning's reading from the Acts, were amazed and perplexed. What does this mean? They asked. Even those who, as we would say today, didn't get it, sneered, they're just filled with new wine, which of course they weren't, but it gives us at least some glimpse into how it must have appeared. Whatever it was that had happened, whatever it was that it mean, that was is the meaning of the words they were filled with the Holy Spirit, it had changed them. And indeed, it has changed us. It has changed and it continues to change the history of the world. As some of you know, I spent the first summer after my first year in seminary at St. Elizabeth's Mental Hospital in Washington, D.C. I hasten to add, I was not a patient. <laughs> I was a chaplain intern. And while I was there, I met a young woman who was a patient. And whenever someone would say something to her that she particularly liked, she would say, oh, I feel like I've been saved, sanctified, and got the quickening spirit of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> saved, sanctified, and got the quickening spirit of the Holy Ghost. 
in this respect at least, she wasn't crazy. She was expressing in the language or the tongue of her Pentecostal tradition the truths that we celebrate in our language of the sacraments. The sacrament of baptism, Eucharist, and confirmation. These sacraments, as we say, are outward and visible signs of that inward and spiritual grace, which is our life in Christ. In baptism, the sign of our salvation points to the fact that we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Eucharist is a sign and a channel of our sanctification that we are transformed little by little, day by day, as we grow up into Christ until at last we shall be as he is for we shall see him and be confirmed be like him and confirmation is the sacrament that confirms the message that we have accepted by our baptism by the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the signs and wonders of his grace and power in our lives today and so today, on this day of Pentecost, as we celebrate our life in Christ, we recognize that this is a special day. We wear red to remind us of the tongues of fire that appeared over the disciples on this day. At the 10 o'clock service, we will celebrate baptism as God continues to add Though to our number those who are being saved. We celebrate the Eucharist each week as we continue to be sanctified by God's grace and transformed by his love. And only recently we presented those in this year's faith-seeking journey to Bishop Scharf so that he might lay his hands upon them and pray for God to confirm their faith by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And today they will be commissioned for their service among us. That today we can rejoice too that we also are saved, sanctified, and have the quickening Spirit of the Holy Ghost. Now, to quote St. Paul concerning those spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. We know, as we heard today, that there are varieties of gifts, but it is the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord and there are variety of, varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates and animates all of them in each of us. 
Each of us has been given gifts to use in the service of God's kingdom, in the many ministries of this parish, and in your ministries and ours in the church and the world. But they're not just for us. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are for the building up of the body of Christ. As we heard today from the letter to the Corinthians, in Paul's reckoning, there are actually nine gifts. And while I'm sure this is not intended to be exhaustive, it's interesting to look at those gifts in terms of the three categories they fall into. There are, first of all, gifts of knowing so that we might know God's will. Then there are gifts of speaking so that we may speak God's truth. And finally, there are gifts of doing so that we may walk the walk and not just talk the talk. These gifts represent the power to know and to say and to do God's will. And that's why they're essential for us if we would seek to be faithful to our life in Christ today. I'm sure that my friend at St. Elizabeth's was a Pentecostal Christian. But in fact, it's not just Pentecostals who think these gifts are necessary for our life in Christ, which is why confirmation is listed as the first of the pastoral offices of the church in our Book of Common Prayer. Confirmation is, in fact, the archetype of the church's pastoral ministry. What else can we do but pray for one another to know and to say and to do God's will? And how can we do that unless the Spirit empower us to know and to say and to do His will? And so we expect that those who are baptized at an early age will be presented when they're ready and have been duly prepared to the bishop for confirmation that he, as the pater familius of the family of God, prays for God to confirm their faith and ours by the gifts of the Spirit that will strengthen us for our ministries. And maybe that's why, in the end, Pentecost is more than a day. The season of Pentecost is, in fact, the longest season of the church year. In fact, it's roughly as long as all of the other seasons of the church year combined. And maybe that's why, too, the focus of the other seasons of the year is on the Word of God in the life of Jesus, the focus of the season of Pentecost is on the spirit of Jesus in the life of the church, on the gifts of the Holy Spirit that empower us to become his disciples, on our life in Christ as the disciples of Jesus, and on the life of discipleship as the way of the cross that leads to eternal life. Because in the, in the end, the day of Pentecost 
is not one day, but at the beginning of a new era in the world, in the church, as the Spirit filled people of God. Amen.